Today's New Testament reading is the second epistle to the Corinthians, the seventh chapter. Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. Make room in your hearts for us. We have wronged no one, we have corrupted no one, we have taken advantage of no one. I do not say this to condemn you, for I said before that you are in our hearts to die together and to live together. I am acting with great boldness toward you. I have great pride in you. I am filled with comfort. In all our affliction I am overflowing with joy. For even when we came into Macedonia, our bodies had no rest, but we were afflicted at every turn, fighting without and fear within. But God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of Titus, and not only by his coming, but also by the comfort with which he was comforted by you, as he told us of your longing, your mourning, your zeal for me, so that I rejoice still more. For even if I made you grieve with my letter, I do not regret it, though I did regret it, for I see that the letter grieved you, though only for a while. As it is, I rejoice, not because you were grieved, but because you were grieved into repenting. For you felt a godly grief, so that you suffered no loss through us. For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. For see what earnestness this godly grief has produced in you, but also what eagerness to clear yourselves, what indignation, what fear, what longing, what zeal, what punishment. At every point you have proved yourselves innocent in the matter. So although I wrote it to you, it was not for the sake of the one who did the wrong, nor for the sake of the one who suffered the wrong, but in order that your earnestness for us might be revealed to you in the sight of God. Therefore we are comforted. And besides our own comfort, we rejoice still more at the joy of Titus, because his spirit had been refreshed by you all. For whatever boasts I made to him about you, I was not put to shame. But just as everything we said to you was true, so also our boasting before Titus has proved true. And his affection for you is even greater, as he remembers the obedience of you all, how you received him with fear and trembling. I rejoice, because I have perfect confidence in you. This is the word of the Lord. For today's meditation on God's Word, we welcome Pastor Jeremiah Johnson. Nobody likes to be rebuked. Nobody likes performance reviews, or IRS audits, or detentions. When I scold my daughter, her lower lip begins to quiver, and tears well up in her eyes. Getting reprimanded grieves us. Now, in his first letter to the Corinthians, Paul himself gave them quite a rebuke. He rebuked them for divisions and sexual immorality in the congregation and vindictive lawsuits and selfish behavior at the Lord's table and on and on. Paul really let them have it with both barrels and it grieved them. But it was a godly grief. In our reading today, Paul reflects on this. He says, as it is, I rejoice 
not because you were grieved, but because you were grieved into repenting. For you felt a godly grief, so that you suffered no loss through us. For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. So, what's the difference between godly grief and worldly grief? Godly grief always has a purpose, and that purpose is repentance. The Lord doesn't rebuke us because he likes to watch us squirm. He doesn't give us the Ten Commandments just to be a killjoy, and he doesn't reveal that we're poor, miserable sinners just so that we'll be poor and miserable. He wants us to live, so he wants us to repent. You know, strange as it sounds, repentance is always a hopeful act. If we had no hope of being forgiven, then what would be the point in repenting? But the very fact that God calls us to repentance implies that he's not only able, but also ready and willing to forgive us. That's why Paul says that godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation. Now, don't get the wrong idea. This doesn't mean that repentance somehow causes or earns our salvation. But if we didn't have anything to repent of, we wouldn't have anything to be saved from. Godly grief leads to repentance, and repentance comes before salvation. That's why godly grief is a great gift. But worldly grief can only mean death. Because the world does not look to God for forgiveness. You don't have to be a Christian to grieve over sin and all the collateral damage that it's created in our world. You don't have to be a Christian to grieve over the middle schooler who bullies his classmates, or the wife who runs off with another man, or the corrupt government official who's siphoning off money that should have been going to refugee camps. And you don't have to be a Christian to grieve over your own sin, how badly you treated your parents, or how you didn't quite report all of your income on last year's taxes, or how you didn't spend enough time with your kids. Christians and non-Christians alike have exactly the same sins to grieve over. But the difference between worldly grief and godly grief isn't what we grieve over. It's where it leaves us. Godly grief drives us back into the arms of a forgiving God. Worldly grief leaves us alone with our despair. Because without the Lord, we're left to fend for ourselves. And if we're left alone with our sin, we really only have two choices. We either have to try and defend ourselves, justify our lives, or we have to find a scapegoat for all the wrongs in the world, including ours. But either way, without God, there is simply no forgiveness to be had. That's why worldly grief leads to death. Because the Pharisees were right. No one can forgive sins but God alone. Only Christ can set the world right again. So thank God for godly grief. Thank God for repentance because it always drives us back to Christ. He has not left us as orphans to fend for ourselves. He has already fought and bled and died for us so that our grief might not kill us, but that his forgiveness might give us life. In the holy name of Jesus, amen.